Praise God. You guys are you guys are amazing. Seems like we were just in church. But I want to tell you, I, I'm going to preach a message to you tonight. And uh, you're going to hear it again and again and again, I'm sure. Because I believe tonight, I really believe that absolutely, if there's ever been a message that the devil does not want you to grab hold of, it's this one tonight. I believe that, I, I just have this expectation in my heart that if you grab hold of, of what's being preached tonight, you will see a dramatic change in your life. And so, um, so get your Bibles out and go to Psalm 62. We'll start out in Psalms here tonight. Psalm 62. Now, I just want you all to understand something. You've got to understand where this is coming from. Ever since I started preaching this message about grace and started trying to get us to understand our position in grace and what grace really is, and to try to get our thinking changed from grace being some power of God that's being released to us, but to start thinking of grace as it's the place that you stand before the throne of God that everything in heaven is yours. That grace is this position that God puts you in because your sins have been forgiven, because you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness over to the kingdom of the Son of God, you're now called a son of God. You're now called a saint. You're now called a child of God. You're now called and positioned completely different than you used to be prior to meeting Jesus, prior to salvation, prior to coming and making him Lord of your life. Okay, so the only problem with this message is, is I can preach to you all day long about your position and get you to understand your position, but now I've got to get you to do something with it. Okay, and so that's what I've just been digging and scratching and pulling and tugging on the coat of Jesus. I'm like a little kid in the candy store wanting his daddy to buy him a, 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 you know, a gumball. I, I just keep tugging on Jesus every day, every morning. I'm just saying, Lord, you've got to show me this. Holy Ghost, come on. I've I, I, I got to have more. got to have more. got to have more. And he has very strange ways of doing it, with me at least. It's not like he could just lay it out and explain it to me. He always had to, I have to go through something and learn something and whatever. And so anyway... So I want to share something with you, but I want to start out here in Psalm 62 because I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to launch this out here because I believe this is the first, the next step. Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. And God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge in him is in God. So it goes on, verse 8, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So David is trying to say here, he said, look, there isn't any other source in my life. There's no other source. There's nothing else coming to me. My only source is God. You're my source. You're going to make it all happen. You're going to be, have to be the source of my joy. You're going to be the source of my happiness. You're going to be the source of my finances. You're going to be the source of my vision. You're going to be the source of my life. You are everything. You are my source. I'm not going to look to this or to that. You're my source is what he's saying, right? But that what I want you to focus on is verse 5. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. All right? So now I want you to go over to Gospel of John. Chapter 3, I said 3, 2, John 2, not 3. 
And I want to read the story, the first miracle that Jesus did. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Now they ran out of wine, and the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And the mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. I, of all the stories, uh, this one has always kind of, not troubled me, but kind of like, I've always kind of looked at it like, wow, uh, it's kind of different. Okay, let me explain myself. First of all, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us any more about whose wedding it was. We don't know. I mean, there's some Jewish speculation, but we don't know. And so, but the thing that's strange about it is why was Mary so concerned with what was going on in the wedding? I mean, even if you were, I mean, don't throw anything at me, but even if Mary was just a busybody getting into something that she shouldn't have been getting into, why would she have done this at this wedding? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to step out here a little bit, and this is just Robert Richards because I can't back it up with the Bible, but I'm just saying, I'm just, from reading that deal, why was she concerned? So the only reason why I could think she was concerned is because she cared about the wedding. It was, I don't know if it was family. I don't know if it was friends. I don't know if it was just, you know, what the relationship was. I don't know why it was so important for her for this wedding to not be as great as it could be, you know? And so they're running out of wine. And so to her, she's looking at it as it's going to be a disaster. The wedding day is going to be ruined. The parents are going to look foolish. I don't know. I don't know what was happening. Okay, I don't know all this stuff. But I'm just saying she was concerned about it. Okay? So she goes to Jesus, and she just, there's no like, Jesus, I, I, I have a cut heart for the people. And I really don't want to see him fail. And, and can you please do something? She says, they have no wine. I mean, what? And then Jesus shoots back at her. Well, what does that concern have to do with me? What's the big deal? I mean, in my party. Do you see that? Is the, the tone of this, the tone of his, his words back to his mother? Well, consider that to me. What are you over here bothering me about? I mean, if they run out of wine, we'll go somewhere else. Right? So there's, you see what I'm saying here? There's a little strange tone here. And then he says, my hour is not yet come. So, so when he says my hour is not yet come, he knew that Mary was pulling upon miracles. He knew what she was saying. She knew that she was calling upon his Godhead to make this party a success. And Jesus is like, my hour's not yet come. So then what does she say? The mother said to the servants, whatever he says, do it. Now, just imagine being a fly on the wall while this is taking place. What are you going to say? I mean, like, have you ever been in those awkward situations where you're with, you know, another couple and they get in a fight and you're kind of sitting like wanting to get out of the car? Well, these are pretty harsh words being thrown back by Jesus and his mother. And all the disciples are there because it says the disciples were with him. 
So everybody's sitting around, and so again here, I'm having to just kind of read between the lines. The disciples, I don't think they knew what was going on. Because these guys were not the sharpest pencils in the box. I mean, they're over there arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, you know, and what are we going to do? They had all kinds of issues going on. So they're just probably sitting there thinking, what in the world is going to happen? What, what is she talking about? What, you know, who is she ordering Jesus around? And so then what, look, what, let's read on. Now there was set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons of water. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up. So the pots were sitting there, but they didn't have any water in them. All right? Six of them. And so these guys, so let's just, I mean, let's stay with me in this story. They're going to go fill it with water? Now, what's funny is, I guess they were more scared of Mary than they were of Jesus, because she said, whatever he says, do it. So there was no argument here. Of, well, what do we want to get water for? I ain't got any no water. Nobody wants to drink water if they've been drinking wine, right? Nobody argued. They just go get the water pots and go fill them up. So they come back to Jesus, all right? And they said, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. Now, folks, listen to me. I'm telling you, if you were the guy that just went over there and poured water in a pot and you bring it back and you get that cup and he says, go give it to the, go give it to the master. And I see these things I don't know. We'll have to watch the DVD when we get to heaven. When did it turn to wine? You know, when he dipped it, when he carried it, when he's walking over there. So let's just say you're the guy carrying the water over to the master to go drink. And you're looking at it, and it's water. What's going through your head? What's going through your head when you're walking up to the master and saying, problem solved? I don't know when it turned to wine. So let me back up on the story. Okay. So Mary, speaking to Jesus, spoke to him in an authoritative way. Fix the problem. And Mary, you could say her faith, but let me just say it this way. Her expectation was he was going to do it. Because Jesus making the statement, I've not yet come to my glory, then she knew what he could do. You follow me? And that right there, folks, that expectation right there, is what breeds the environment for miracles. That expectation, your expectation in God, is what calls upon the throne of heaven into your hands. The first step, we always want to tie this up. We always want to make it so complicated and say, well, brother, just believe. And if you just believe, you know, but wait a minute, let's just get it down to root. What are you expecting God to do for you? And what you're really truly down on the inside of your heart expecting God to do for you is what you have enough confidence in you'll command him to do. And right there you stop and say, okay, well, wait a minute. I don't know if I'm going to command Jesus to do anything. But then let's think about this. <clears throat> I've got two brothers here. Here's Scott and Frankie. 
got two brothers in church. Okay. Now, I don't know how y'all operate as kids or young adults or when you're in high school. What's your age difference? I love how y'all have to ask each other. You don't know. Okay, so <clears throat> I don't know what your age I mean, I know what your age is, but I'm saying I don't know how y'all acted in, in there, but brothers act differently. In other words, the, what you would say, you, may, you would say to your brother, you may not say to somebody else. Right? You can look at the same thing with sisters. Okay? There's things sisters may would say to each other, they wouldn't say to anybody else. And they may even have it in a different tone that they would say it, that they wouldn't say to anybody else. Why? Because you're family. But what we've done, now, y'all don't, I mean, I, I, if I get, get struck with lightning, you know, I mean, I get struck with lightning up here, but I'm just saying, wait a minute, the Bible is full of telling me that I'm a son of God, that I'm a joint heir with Christ Jesus, that he paid the price for me and that he is my elder brother. Well, then, shouldn't I be operating like family? But see, what we do is we, we change our thinking and our expectation is just, oh, I hope he does something for me. I'm going to say brothers or sisters, if they have something that the other one has that they won't, they just go say, hey, give me your dress. I want to wear it tonight. Right? You got sisters. Would that not be the way you'd handle your sister? You wouldn't be sitting around wishing and hoping and praying that she knows your thoughts and that she might offer and give this unto you. No, there's a different relationship. And what I'm saying is we don't understand the grace of God and we don't understand our authority in God and we don't understand what we're really been redeemed from and what this amazing, ridiculous, crazy, unbelievable, as Paul said, unsearchable riches of Christ is. That you could walk up to him and get him to make wine for a wedding. But our expectation has to be in him to do what a brother would do for you. And Mary's just ordering him around. What are you going to do about this? Whatever he says, do it. Because it was his mother, but she's calling upon a godly, she's calling upon the gifts of God. And everybody else is sitting around going, they got no idea what's going on. They got no idea. They're not even catching it. It's, it's just foggy to them about what's taking place. And nobody would have come and said, hey, what if we got some water and you turn it into wine? Right? They're all thinking, uh, let me see. Uh, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe we could go and, and run down to the store and maybe they have some and they may give it to us at a discount price. That's where our expectation, or is that where your expectation is? I'm throwing this back on us because the Holy Ghost has been thrown on me all day. Where's my expectation? Where's my expectation? What am I expecting? Are we just going to take the little pastor? Oh, well, everything will be okay someday. It will all work out. Uh, but sometimes we've got to have some instantaneous results. Right there, there was a party about to go defunct, and Jesus stepped up and made the party the great. Go on and read the whole story. Man, most people bring out, uh, serve the, the best wine first and, and then serve the cheap stuff after everybody's drunk. They didn't say that I said that, but that's what he was talking about. Because when they get to drinking, they can't tell that the that was cheap wine. He said, but you brought the best stuff out last. So Jesus didn't just make wine. He made really good wine. See, there you go. Are we going to settle baboons for him? 
I don't even know a really good wine. I'm not a good, I'm not, I'm not a connoisseur of wine, but I mean, I know Boone's Farm by cheap as it gets. Hello? Who can tell me? I mean, I'm sure that's crazy, but what would you say? A, 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 what do you call it? Is it top shelf wine? Do they call it top shelf wine? I know they call it top shelf liquor, but I don't know about wine. But I'm just saying, what would be the price of a, like, a, a good bottle of wine? $100? $100 is, a, is, is that cheap? No, I mean, I know it's not cheap for $100. I'm just saying, is a $100 bottle of wine really good? $200? $200 bottle of wine. What does Boone's Farm cost? Three bucks. Yeah, there you go. Two for one. <laughs> the point I'm just saying to you, Jesus didn't make $3 wine. He made $200 wine. So your expectation, $200 for a bottle of wine. And Jesus is making, why am I going to complain about it? Do you follow me? The guy at the, the wedding didn't just get blessed. It got extremely blessed. And just using this parable, if they were just serving the, the $3 wine, and then they brought in the $200 bottle of wine, and all the guys said, wow, this is the really good stuff. Right? Y'all follow my point? Where's our expectation? Mary's expectation was in, they're out of wine. Whatever he says, do it. Her expectation was in a miracle. Her expectation was not in just getting them by with $3 wine. She was expecting Jesus to take care of it like she knew Jesus could take care of it. And I'm saying to us, what is our expectation? To get by? Are we at Boone's Farm? Or are we up here at whatever a $200 bottle of wine is? And it's that place of expectation that breeds that atmosphere for miracles to see God move. Now, this is what we can't get through our heads. He loves to do it. He loves to do something ridiculous for us. He's up in heaven right now saying, don't go for the cheap stuff. Believe me for the good stuff. And what's going to get you there is when you start to understand your position in Christ in this grace that you stand and get your expectation in God to the place it's supposed to be. I'm saying expectation is the place right before faith comes. But still, there's an element of faith and expectation because expectation, if I'm expecting you to do something, I'm expecting you to do something. I'm believing you're going to do it. Let's read another story. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 3. Let's go to the lame man. Verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple about the hour to pray about the ninth hour, and a certain lame, a certain man lame from his mother's womb carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, and asked alms of those who were entering the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Okay, this guy's a beggar. He's begging, he's asking for alms. Okay? He's not trying to get healed. Right? He's not thinking that this is his Sunday, he's going to get healed. He's not calling upon the power of God. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and, fix, and fixing his eyes on him with Peter, with John and Peter said, look at us. Okay, so here again, I'm, I'm not trying to make the story say something. It's not, I'm just saying. He said, look at us. So I'm saying the man took his eyes off of Peter and John. I'm saying he looked up, he saw Peter and John, he asked alms for them, but he didn't look like he didn't seem like he was going to give him anything. He's turned to the next person coming in. They said, "Look at us." 
So he gave attention to him. So then he turns and he looks at him, expecting to receive something from them. So here again, I'm just saying, here's these guys full of the Holy Ghost, the two disciples, Peter and John, going into the temple. They're walking into the temple. There's a man that's been in the temple. Jesus walked past him. So how do I know that? Because Jesus went into the temple all the time, and they said this guy was laid at the gate daily every, every day ever since he was been born. So Jesus walked past this blind man or this lame man. He wasn't healed under Jesus' ministry. But this day, something happened. So give me this, okay? I'm just preaching this. I'm painting with a big, wide brush right now. Just give me this one. What if? What if Peter and John had been discussing what I've been discussing with you all about, about walking in the grace of God? And what if they were sitting around remembering the wedding at Cana? And what if they'd been talking about how the first miracle, they remember the first miracle that Jesus did that he would turn water into wine. And what if they got themselves stirred up? And he said, remember how Mary talked to Jesus? Remember how that worked? Maybe that's what we're supposed to be doing. Maybe this conversation went on. They were having this little discussion. So they were stirring themselves up. They walk into the gate. They see the guy. He's asking something for them. And all of a sudden, Peter pops up and says, hey, look at us. Guy looks at us, but something happened. The guy had expectation. The guy looked at him, and he expected to receive something. He didn't know what he was going to receive, but he expected to receive something, right? And then look here. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately, when did the guy get healed? But think about this. Did he get healed when Peter said, in the name of Jesus? Did, the, did he get, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Do you see that that next verse, that little part there says he took him by the right hand and lifted him up? There was a moment there when, when <laughs> I don't know what was happening. This lame man is wanting some money. And maybe a thought ran through his head. I just wanted some cash. What's this guy doing? I don't know. And he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And then he reached down and got him. The guy didn't jump up leaping and praising until he got, got hold of him. And then he lifts him up. And then the physical, whatever it was, whatever, you know, I mean, I don't know. He just said he was lame. He couldn't walk. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if it Feet twist, I don't know, you know. I mean, just go and imagine yourself. All I know is he couldn't walk, and then he could. And he's leaping and jumping and dancing and praising God. He didn't care that everybody in there thought he was a fool. The guy's healed. Y'all with me? There was expectation. Expectation breeds miracles. But what is our expectation? I mean, really, what's our expectation? Is our expectation in, in God's going to do something exceedingly, abundantly, beyond we could even think or ask? Or is our expectation that we're going to make it? Or that God's going to supply my bread and it's just, my, just a loaf of bread? No mayonnaise? You see what I'm saying? I mean, you could live on bread. 
One of the things that I've always been so amazed about at, at, at Casa Angelina is that those children are, are, are stretched all the time to be believing that they can do anything that they can believe. And so as soon as you walk on the grounds down there, you sense that there is a special anointing and spirit in that place because everybody in there is believing for miracles. They're believing for not just to have a shack down there. So one of the workers down there who's been there forever and their main construction guy wanted Ivan to come to his, his house and see his house. And he was so proud of his house. And so this is after he'd worked for the orphanage for a few years. And so, he, of course, he prospered because the man was an alcoholic, and then he got saved at the orphanage and gave his heart to Jesus and has been with us forever. So we prospered him. You know, he prospered, steady work. And uh, so when he went to his house, he, he just said he had to laugh because he didn't laugh out loud, but he was laughing inside because what he had done was is Everybody else is living in shacks where you just take tin and you just find some wood and you, you run some tin down the sides and, 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 and you, know, you just do it like this. But what he had done was improved. And what he had improved on was he had the biggest two-story shack in town where he had just gathered some of this and gathered some of that and then there was something left over at the orphanage and he had this now. But he had created a room and he said there was even a little room like a, well, I forget this word. I always forget this word. Uh, like, what do you call like a green room? You know, like where there's, there's like a, in, in a house, you know, like a, like a sunroom, but where you, atrium, that's the word I'm looking for. Had, had like a little atrium built up on the second story, and he had like plastic that he had gotten from different places, and it was all just kind of mixed, mashed up in there, you know, like this, and he had little plants growing and all this kind of stuff like this, and then he had a you know, like a, basically like a jacuzzi tub out here, but it was just a water trough that was left over that he'd worked in there. And then there was like all these boards of these steps and they, you know, but they weren't all quite the same widths and everything was, you know, it was all put together, but it was just the biggest menagerie of stuff. But he had just created this world, but it was the best shack in town. I mean, it out, it soared over all the other shacks and he was so proud of it. So the point I'm trying to say to you is, you know, God bless him for his, from stretching out. But aren't we kind of like that sometimes? In our faith and believing in God, we're not, we're not really believing that he could do a whole lot more for us. So we're just trying to improve upon the shack that we got. And we just added a room onto the shack, and now we have more room, but it's just another room in the shack. Instead of stepping into the mansion that he wants you to be living in. And I'm not talking about physical houses here. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about, you know, uh, all the things that really count in life. I'm not talking about the size of your houses or anything like that tonight. I'm just using that as an example. I'm talking about this house inside of us. We don't allow him to come in and create in us and build in us and operate the gifts through us. Let's go lay hands on a few sick folks and see them be healed. You see what I'm saying? Our expectation is like, oh, as long as we're not, you know, as long as we're not, you know, at the bottom, you know, praise God. I, 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 yeah, I used to be swimming right here, just, just barely keeping my head above water. You know, and now I'm up here. I'm just in, just in my chest. <laughs> well, maybe it's time we get out of the water, get on the bank and go walk. 
It all has to do with our expectation. What are we expecting God to do for us? See, I got a, I got challenged when I was preaching. I don't know how I missed it. I don't know how all these years I've missed Deuteronomy 111. But Deuteronomy 111 was a scripture quoted, and I was like, what? And so I went over and looked, and I said, you're going to say that. You know, I missed it, where it says that God will increase them a thousandfold. But see, I know the 30, 60, 100-fold. Thousandfold is another zero. So I was like, oh, wow. I mean, you know, it makes a big difference when you start adding just a, just a zero, right? 10 goes to 100, 100 goes to 1,000. Follow me? Just add another zero. 100-fold return, oh, 1,000-fold return. If you want to find out what your expectation is or where your level is of expecting, just start asking you yourself, how much money, if somebody gave it to you, how much money, where would be the place that you feel like that's where you need to be? In other words, somebody gave you, oh, gosh, a million dollars. Oh, I don't know if I had a million dollars. I don't know what I'd do with it. Well, so maybe you're like, I know what I'd do with a million dollars. So then you say, okay, 20 million. 20 million dollars. What do I do with 20 million? 20 million. But then start upping it. 50 million. You know how much money 50 million dollars is? 50 million dollars is a lot of money. 50 million dollars. Then just think, chew on that for a little bit. $50 million. Yeah, I could do, I could handle $50 million. And it's that place where you start to get embarrassed. Are you with me? You start to get embarrassed. You wouldn't want anybody to know that you had $50 million. And then you start increasing it. $100 million. $100 million. Would you want anybody to know you had $100 million? You had $100 million in the bank. Would you want anybody to know you have $100 million? Oh, that's really, I mean, that's like. So you start. Ask, this is where you, how you find out where your level of expectation is. Because see, what happens is you go from believing that Jesus could heal a cold, but you're not real sure he could heal cancer. You know he could give you a car, but it would probably have 100,000 miles on it. You follow what I'm saying to you? Your expectation, your level of expectation in there. I won't tell y'all where I'm at right now. I'll, I'll just tell you because I'm not embarrassed at all. $900 million. I want $900 million. That's where I'm at. $900 million. You say, Robert, that's ridiculous. See, I see some of y'all's faces looking at me like, what? $900 million. You give me $900 million, I'd probably say, okay, that's enough. $900 million. I can guarantee you, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I could have $900 million in the bank and not change one bit. I know myself. I'm not going to change the way I dress. I don't care how much money I got. I'm just saying. I'm just telling you, where are you at in your expectation? Because that expectation was breeds miracles. The best wine are Boone's form. And so when you start changing the way you think and start stretching the way you think, then what happens is you start stretching yourself like that. You're like, well, wait a minute, Jesus, you are my brother. Do you believe he's your brother? Do you believe he's your brother that you'd say, Hey, brother, I need to borrow your truck tonight. Are you really in the family or not? You follow me? Oh, yes, I'm going to be saved. I'm going to go to heaven, but ain't no sense bothering God. I mean, I don't, I don't ruffling feathers. Well, wait a minute. You got the wrong concept. You're not walking in grace. 
You're not standing in this abundant grace. You're limiting yourself of what you're believing because your expectation is low. You've got to raise your expectation. I mean, some of you may even be thinking, I have a bad thought about me saying 900 million. I want to keep it just a little under a billion. I mean, you know, a little. I don't want to get too greedy. It's right under a billion. <laughs> you going to go for it? it? It's a good number. It's got a lot of zeros to it. <clears throat> you know, I, I read this article about this. I can't even tell you what his name was. Some guy back in the 14th century, that it was, they were so rich in gold that whenever he would travel, that they, he would literally change the economies of countries because he would spend so much money and then they would devalue the gold within their countries because he was worth so much. Can you imagine going and ruining a country? Folks, we've got to raise our level of expectation. That's the first place to start right there. Now, we're going to go on into some other stuff, but that's the first place we've got to start is raising our level of expectation. For I trust in the Lord, for my expectation is only in Him. Amen? So y'all can go home and do the challenge to yourself tonight and see how much it is, where your level's at. And then once you get to that place, then start the next thing and start challenging you, how much could you give away at one time? One of the only really arguments my wife and I have ever gotten in, in our married life is we got to arguing one night in the bed if we won the lotto, how we were going to divide it all up amongst family, you know, and everything. How we going to divide it up? And we got in an argument. We didn't even win. I mean, we didn't even have, I don't even have a ticket, but we just got to arguing about this. And then she said, well, what do, what, what do you mean you wouldn't do that? And I said, well, I don't know. We just, you know. And so we got in this argument laying in bed. And then we started laughing. Finally, after it was all over with him, we said, like, what are we doing? We don't have anything to give anyway. What are we talking about? Ridiculous. We're in an argument over this. Huh? We didn't even have a ticket. No, we couldn't have won. We didn't even have a lotto ticket. We're just arguing about what if. That's how stupid you can get in life. But anyway, well, Bill, help me. Let's take up our offering tonight. Praise God. I'm going to have to go home and do some research on the names of fine wines. Fine wine. We're talking some fine wine. So if I preach this message again, I got to make better sense. I can go from, I know the Boone's Farm. Been there, done that. Bought that t-shirt. I was broke. <laughs> it was rough that night. Boone's Farm and Slit's Beer. Falstaff, yeah. All right, put you in on your offering. Let's pray. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name, the most blessed people on the face of the earth sit right here. And I declare our expectation is in you to do exceedingly abundant beyond we could even think or ask. I thank you that everything, Lord, we grab hold of a thousandfold return. We grab hold of greater things and more expectation than we've ever believed in in life, Lord, because we're trusting in you. And we praise you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.